in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Jimmy Garoppolo could be back this season. He does not need surgery on his foot. A aggressive timeline is apparently seven to eight weeks, according to Adam Schefter. If he's back in seven weeks, that is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Hey, say the important stuff here. He's not back for the Raiders. He is not. They will have to deal with uh, Christian McCaffrey wildcat snaps. is my prediction for their quarterback in that game. Uh, But the 49ers, even without Garoppolo, seem like a pretty solid bet to make the playoffs in the NFC. Uh, Even still win that division if they can beat Seattle here. But is getting Garoppolo back, let's say they win a wild card game. Getting Garoppolo back for the second game of the playoffs, that divisional round. Does that change much for this team? At that point, with as much time as he's had off, I'm not so sure. I'm not either. I'm not so sure. He's had seven to eight weeks off, and he's supposed to walk into a divisional round and win a game? Right. Now, Look, if they're in if they're in the divisional round, Brock Purdy's done pretty well, right? Well, I they, mean... The 49ers have been winning playoff games without scoring points with a grapple Defensively, for a while. It, it always helps. Right. But, I mean, he, the kid can't be a complete disaster if they're in the divisional round. They might win their first playoff game, like, 12 to 10. It might be the final score, and you'll be like, oh, please, dear God, get Garoppolo in there. Even, <laughs> a, even if his foot's still broken, we need him back in there. Um, I, I am curious to see if, A, he's able to come back that quickly, and B, how would he look? Is, yeah, is he going to be yeah. any good? I know it's. This is probably a bad comparison. Deshaun Watson looked terrible. Oh, he looked awful. Now, wasn't was injury-related, and it was two years, not right. two months or whatever right. this would be. But Deshaun Watson looked awful, so... Would Garoppolo be able to just walk in and be like, yep, well, we good don't know to if go. He can walk. That's that's a good point. Just roll in on a <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's on a wheelchair on the sideline and he only walks roll. when he's on the field. <laughs> be great. I actually kind of want to see that now. <laughs> With his leg propped yeah. up in the wheelchair. Yeah. Can he just play in the wheelchair? <laughs> Is that against the rules? What's up, Nate? That's Nate Hobbs, everybody. Nate Hobbs. <laughs> Ronaldo was benched for Portugal's round of 16 game against Switzerland. He did come on as a substitute, but Gonzalo Ramos started in Ronaldo's place and he scored a hat trick. (laughs) Ramos is a 21 year old who plays for Benfica, which is one of the better teams in Portugal and Portugal ended up uh, beating uh, pretty handily and will play Morocco in the quarterfinals. But it is a very fascinating place where Cristiano Ronaldo has been booted off Manchester United because Manchester United decided they were better without him. And now we're looking at Portugal. His national team is saying, hey, we're better off without Cristiano Ronaldo in our starting 11. Talk to me about what's happened with Ronaldo. Why has this all happened? He's good at one thing now. Jumping high and heading the ball into the back of the net. That's probably, he's, he kicks the ball well too. But he doesn't help you in anything else. If you need to do any sort of pressing, if you need to do any any sort of ball recovery, anything defensively. He's, he's not done. Yeah, he, he's going to do one thing well for you. And that, it's the most important thing in soccer, right? He'll, right. Put, he'll score. 
But if you are a team that's not going to dominate possession or have a bunch of set pieces, Ronaldo hurts you, right? And when you've got a 21-year-old that can score a hat-trick. Well, a guy who comes in and scores three. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he came in and was a bum. Right. You don't necessarily need the guy that can only score goals. Basically, if you have Ronaldo, you pretty much have to build your team around playing to him. You have to, like, if you're gonna if you're going to maximize what Ronaldo is, you have to build your team around him. And it's just not, and he's not good enough to where that's a viable strategy for Portugal or Man United. It's probably a viable strategy for whatever Saudi Arabian team is going to pay him $200 million. Yeah. But it's not for the top of the world in the club side or the national side. Or the side. national side. And that's just the reality. Now, they'll probably stick him right back in the starting line against Morocco, but they're probably better off without Ronaldo starting. I don't know. You're going to bench the hat trick kid? Probably not. It's true. <laughs> scored a hat trick. They, they did sub him out. They did take him out of the game after scoring a hat trick. But those get him get him rested so he can score another. Yeah, can he score another hat trick against, against Morocco? Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. The Titans fired their general manager John Robinson. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of stats here first. The Titans are currently winning the AFC South. The Titans have uh, had missed the playoffs seven straight seasons before Robinson became the GM. In his six full years, four playoff appearances, and their worst record was nine and seven. They missed the playoffs twice at nine and seven. However, they just lost to the Eagles, where A.J. Brown, the receiver that Robinson traded away, scored two touchdowns and went over 100 receiving Could that yards. really be the reason that they blew this guy out? Are you kidding me? Look how successful he's been. And you blow him out in the middle of the season? Something. There's got to be something else here. Something had to happen. You, the look, timing look his, is you suspicious. You just gave his resume. The timing is suspicious. It's almost like in a few days something else is coming out. Like some kind of report is like, oh, that's what happened with him. It's a... I don't know. I mean, like they're 7-5 and five right now. Like they're not a tremendous team, but they're going to win that division because the division's a disaster, but they're going to be in the playoffs again. And we've seen the Titans, you know, win a couple of playoff games. They did lose to the Bengals last year, but it's here would be my general question for the Tennessee Titans. Do they believe they should be winning the Super Bowl? Well, I'm sure they believe it with inside, but I mean, then the owners must think they're not good enough and that they blew this guy out to and what what are they what are you doing in the middle of a season blowing out a GM what's what's the next step actually here? that's that's a better point too what is the point of the middle of the season fire so you're gonna have a new GM come in now what's he gonna do yeah I because okay if you're if you said hey we need to win the Super Bowl then John Robinson despite all the playoff appearances, the Titans haven't really. They have a, right. They're not a Super Bowl right. team. They're, and need, none of us would consider them a true contender this year either. No. So if you're saying, hey, we need to win the Super Bowl, then yeah, John Robinson hasn't done a good enough job. That's probably uh, too high of an expectation for the Tennessee Titans. But if that's your expectation, but that is a good point. What does firing him in the middle of the season do? I don't know. That's like, why I'm waiting for the report to come out that something yeah. internally happened. It just, it just made no sense to fire him right now. Yeah, it is what, weird. What is and every the national guys were saying that yesterday too. Like, what? What's the point? Is it possible? He and the owner got into an argument about AJ Brown after AJ Brown torched him. <laughs> I mean, I think anything's possible. But if the owner was going to fire him for that, 
I'm going to put that on the owner. Or is it possible Mike Vrabel was like, I've I've had enough of this after A.J. Brown torched me. <laughs> and you're the one who traded him away? all the reports were Vrabel did not want to trade A.J. Brown. Brown. There was that video on draft day of Mike Vrabel when they traded him, like getting up and walking away from his desk all angrily. Like, it might be as simple as A.J. Brown torched him and Mike Vrabel and the owner got together and Mike Vrabel was like, this is unbelievable. I told you this was going to happen. It did happen. Get rid of that guy. Which would be a very stupid thing for an organization. That would be, I mean, that's how you're making decisions based on that? Because they're still seven and five and going to win the division. They're still going to win the division. Which, again, if you're saying, hey, we got to win the Super Bowl, that's not very good. But it's Ryan Tannehill's your quarterback. Like, if that's your quarterback, I don't think you can judge your GM on, unless he turned down a better quarterback at some point, which I doubt he did. It's hard to be like, hey, we're firing you now. Right. Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Cody Bellinger has signed with the Chicago Cubs. Thank a one-year God. deal, $17.5 million. Are you going to miss Cody Bellinger as a Dodger? Did you hear me during the season? No, I'm not going to miss him. He won an MVP. Here's, here's Two years ago. He, here's another guy who bet on himself, though. Boro said he had several offers of multiple years, and he just wants one year to prove himself and to try to get a bigger deal. I am guessing the multiple-year offers were like two years... 20 million total. Okay. I can't I can't imagine if you're a if you're a so front office I can't imagine you years, Bellinger. So you didn't go 2 years 35. Right. I can't imagine you're handing out a multi-year deal worth nearly 20 million for Cody Bellinger. The guy's been awful for yeah. 2 years. So I can't imagine that now. It won't help the Cubs except for one season, but it would help Bellinger. If he were to put, I mean, the guy won an MVP. Oh, if he, he were, were to get anywhere close to that, then he would turn around and get right. a deal. For He'll get a five-year deal worth twenty-five, thirty million a year. Yeah, I don't know how likely that is. That seems like I, he's got to go. I don't, it's almost like he's got to go to a team with like a unconventional hitting coach that can just be like, "All right, we're going to try this." Yeah. Because the Dodgers have great coaching, scouting, development, and all that. And it's like if and they it, couldn't get him right, right? It's almost like if the Dodgers couldn't fix him. Who is going to fix it? Maybe there's some random guy in Chicago who's like, all right, you're going to hit from the right side of the plate now. <laughs> We're going to bunt a lot. <laughs> the Ricketts are worth billions of dollars, and they're always shopping in the discount bin. They're literally always like looking at, oh, that's been opened? Does that mean that it's like 30% off? This is not a discount. They paid $17.5 million no, he for, made, a, he for made, a terrible uh, player. He made 18 last year. Yeah, this is not a discount. Cody, the, there is nothing about Cody Bellinger's last two years that he deserves. He should be out of the league based on his last two. I years. know they now. Granted, other teams were probably willing to do it, but they overpaid for what Cody Bellinger has been. So right, fair I, enough. Like I, whoever I think it's a good signing, right? Like you might get a really good player in Cody Bellinger if he hadn't been a Dodger and yelled about the Astros. I wish the Astros would have signed him, but he's kind of annoying. So I'm glad they didn't. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well, and to be honest, to be honest, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. Odell Beckham uh, is not exposed, expected to be able to play until the postseason. That's according to the Dallas Morning News. Um, what, why are happening? they going down this road? <laughs> they're scoring fifty a week. They've got enough weapons, and they're going to bring him in, and then like. Much like Baker Mayfield, you're going to play Thursday night. All of a sudden, you're playing in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know why they're going down this road. 
I can't imagine why you would sign Odell Beckham if he can't play until the postseason. Yeah. I mean, I guess he plays in the postseason, but... I mean, are you signing him for following years? Maybe. Like, I was going to say, does he have value for next year? Yeah. Like, yes, I, mean, he I, I don't know until he comes back. Right, but you don't know that. No. So, I can't, like... Would the Cowboys sign him to, you know, a two-year a two-year deal with this year and then next year? I... That would seem stupid. Like, what if he comes yeah. back and plays can't four pl- snaps? Yeah, and well, his knee can't play and he can't go. It's just very weird that we've had so a big narrative about Odell Beckham. And now it's like, yeah, well, he might not play until the wild card right. round. Wait a minute. That makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. And if you're the you're Cowboys. throw him in there in that important of a moment? Right. If you're the Cowboys, what are you doing? This isn't like if the... Who's well, it's a, not like you need a lot of weapons. Right. Who's a bad, like if the, well, the Broncos aren't going to go to the playoffs, but it was like, ah, the Broncos, we can't score. Let's go. We're desperate for anything. Right. But the, the Cowboys are scoring, what are they yeah. averaging? Like 50 points the last three yeah. weeks? <laughs> like, they're really good. They don't need that. So very, very weird scenario. And it very much feels like Jerry Jones just wants to spend money on a shiny toy. Yes. That's, very, that's all. That's it's all, not that's, that shiny right now. I know. It's all rusty and stuff. Like, that feels like the most obvious answer to why this is happening. All right. Coming up next, Gerard Gallant is back in Vegas. The Golden Knights uh, organization uh, announced this morning that... Uh, we relieved uh, head coach uh, Gerard Gallant and assistant coach uh, Mike Kelly uh, from their coaching duties uh, with our team. Uh, we would like to thank both men uh, for their contributions uh, during their time here. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Jared's the best. I totally forgot about that clip. We uh, are going to have tickets to give away to go see the Golden Knights play the Flyers, but tonight they play Gerard Gallant and the New York Rangers. Uh, quick question. Should I be counting uh, Bill Beer in the list of recently fired coaches? Mm. I don't think so, because I think he wanted to go live on a tractor. <laughs> Wasn't that a mutual parting? I think so. But I also feel like he would have still coached the team last year if Becky Hammond had said no thank you to Mark Davis. Probably. So I don't know if I should Probably, count that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I guess I should phrase it this way. Teams with new coaches. Aces have Becky Hammond. Raiders have Josh McDaniels. UNLV football is Barry Odom. Golden Knights have um, Bruce, Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy. So four of our teams have Fran Reardon are in their first year. Fran Reardon has been here for a while. Yeah, he's been here for the a longest while. tenured coach. Kruger's yes. in his second year. Uh, I don't know if Lights FC still exists. Yeah, you can't include them. <laughs> I don't even. I mean, the half the time the coach is somebody that the coach was a LAFC employee. So okay, um, but yeah, but that's uh, four of the teams here in Vegas have new coaches, and honestly, Kevin Kruger's in his second year, so it's not like he's a long tenured coach either. Um, Who would be the first to go of those? I mean, Josh Fran McDaniel? Reardon, based uh, no, not, not including him, no, the new guys, him. the real new guys. <laughs> Probably uh, Kruger, not, probably not, Kruger, because yeah. he's been here the longest. I was about to Two say years? probably yeah. Kruger because he's going to get a job offer at Oklahoma. <laughs> I will say, hmm, Becky Hammond seems like the safest one. The other three are kind of similar. Like if Kruger, if they like don't make the NCAA tournament this year, and then the next year they don't make the NCAA tournament again. I don't know if he actually gets fired after three years, but it's a possibility. And his AD didn't hire him, right? Like that was a Desiree Francois promotion. 
hockey coaches get fired all the time, though. So, like, Bruce Cassidy's like a 10-game losing streak away yeah. from getting fired this year. Well, he's going to take the Dallas I mean, job. <laughs> at, one point, at one point, we were literally discussing, can Josh McDaniels survive yeah, this season? Right, yeah, exactly. And, but we, it's just been, oh, the whole narrative has been Mark Davis is not going to fire right. him. I, but maybe next year, if they, hell, if they're 2-7 and seven to start next year, maybe they move on from him uh, in the middle of the next season. I don't know. Boy, Davis seems locked in on him. I think but, the, the money in escrow is locked in. <laughs> the uh, the upside of McDaniels, or the, uh, the best case scenario is obviously they do really well to end this season. Uh, it could make the playoffs, probably won't, but then next year get off to a good start yeah. and end up making the postseason. The, the bad side is like if this season finishes horribly, right? If they like lose to the Rams and, you know, win two of their final games here. And then get off to a bad start next year. Yeah, I think you could see that happening. Kruger would probably take two this season and then a full next season. Cassidy, they'd have to miss the playoffs this year, right? For it to even be a consideration. Yeah, and they're not going to do that. And even if they're they miss, the play- they're going to be in the playoffs for I, sure. I don't, they might not even fire him if they missed after no, this year. Not after one year, no. So Cassidy would probably have to like. Either two, two either, straight years without the playoffs, especially or, in the, especially in the NHL, where right if you don't make it, then there's some or serious problems. If they make the playoffs and like swept in the first round, right or something, like they could make the playoffs and just flame out there and then miss it the following year. So by that timeline, McDaniel's is probably the most likely, and then Kruger and then Cassidy would be the order, and then well, Becky Hammond. And the else? other guy hasn't even had his press conference yet, so let's not. And then Barry him. Odom, yes, <laughs> who at ten o'clock will be introduced as the new UNLV football coach at the alumni center. There's way too many coaches. Anyone else wish that their like the rest of life was like being an NHL coach, where it's like, hey, I got fired, but don't worry, I'm gonna just go work oh, somewhere yeah. else for the yeah. same amount of money. Well, what's the? Uh, Everyone still likes me. NHL, it's three, it's three less than half. three. Is it less than three? It's, I I haven't seen an update Those in the last couple of years, but it's like, but like two and Jared a half. Said then they just go get another job. Right. DeBoer goes to Dallas. Cassidy comes yeah. to Vegas. Jim Montgomery. Granted, he got to be he was a an assistant for a couple of years, but he was in Dallas. Right. Effectively got fired or let go because of a drinking problem, and now he's in Boston, and they can't lose unless they play the Golden Knights. Nice. And well. Paul Cotter's out there. Um. By the way, on the Rangers, who the Golden Knights play tonight. Here's the fascinating part about the Rangers. Uh, they're fifth in the Metropolitan. They're 12, 10, and 5. They are, uh, I think it's 12 points behind New Jersey, who's in first place, but only like four points behind Carolina, who's in second place. But here's the fascinating part. Last year, the New York Rangers, their expected goals rate was the 24th best in the league. They were not a good team at 5-on-5 five five last year, but they did have the 8th best record. This year, their expected goals rate is actually 11th best in the league, but they have the 20th best record. The fascinating part here, Igor Shesterkin, best goalie in the league last year, had a 9.35 save percentage over the course of the season. He had a plus 44 goal saved above average. This year, he's not bad, but he's not the best goalie in the world. He only has 9.10 save percentage and is plus 3.4 goal saved above average. It is fascinating to me how in this sport, one, goalies can be so volatile how you can have great performances to bad performances to average performances from the same goalie and the same team under the same coach year to year. And also how much coaches are, their jobs are reliant on the goalies, not being terrible. Like if Igor Shesterkin is doing the same thing he did last year, Gerard Gallant's 
Jack Adams award-winning candidate, yes. right? Like the Rangers are fine. Or on the flip side, if Igor Shesterkin was an average goalie last year, like he kind of has they wouldn't been this have gotten year, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Galan might be fired right yeah. now because they'd be looking at it saying, well, you guys were kind of okay last year. And now you're not. And now you're out of a playoff picture. See you later. Like, it is fascinating to me how much coaches are reliant on their goaltenders being good or their goaltenders being bad, especially when you have examples like this. What what changed? Coach is the same, team is the I same, mean, goal are is there the same. that many other good good teams that they're now 11th in expected goals but 20th with the best record? Yeah. They just haven't performed well enough, and their goaltending hasn't bailed them out like it did so much last year. I mean, last year they played a lot of games. It was like, all right, we score one goal, we win. Right. He was that good. Yeah, we score two goals, we win. We score one goal, we get a point. We score two goals, we win. All right, thanks, Igor. We didn't have to do very much tonight. And now, uh, Igor Shesterkin's just a little bit above average, and that's not good enough for the Rangers. So, uh, Gerard Gallant. Gerard on the seat. Oh, boy. That's fun. And here's the thing, like Jared pointed to. He's, he'll be coaching somebody else to start it next season. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's it's terrible for those of us that are super scared of losing our job at any moment, but it is awesome to be like, no, nah, you only really ever need to know 33 names to know all the coaches oh, yeah. in hockey. Yeah. Two of them will be doing TV, and then the rest, or I guess one of them will be doing TV, and the rest of them will be... And can they be defined as retreads if they go and do something well at the other place? Like Pete DeBoer goes and they're in first place. Bruce Cassidy comes and they're the it's second a good best retread. team in the league. It's a good retread. It's a good one? Yeah. It's a good retread. All right. But it is, yeah, it is funny that, like, the best teams in the league, I guess New Jersey's up there, but a lot yeah, of the they're best, out of their minds. A lot of the best teams in the league are... Coached have, by former right, goalies. <laughs> have first-year coaches that are got fired somewhere. <laughs> it's just reality of it. So it's a, it's a dumb sport. I tell you all the time, hockey's dumb. Even the people that get paid to coach it don't know what's happening. They can't do anything to fix this. You think if Gerard Gallant could fix it, he wouldn't have by now? Sure. He can't because it's a dumb sport. And sometimes Igor Shesterkin is the best goalie you've ever seen for a year. And sometimes he's just okay. How many during the playoff run last year, how many children were named Igor in the New York area? Like, did that name make a comeback? Because do people care enough about the Rangers? I bet. Well, I, I don't, I don't know that. The cup. Okay. I, that is true. But I, I will say probably a couple years ago here in Vegas, the mark with the C probably <laughs> flew up the uh, ladder. So in, in 15 years, we're going to have kids graduating from high school and like, what are all these marks with a C <laughs> going into college? I mean, it wouldn't shock every, me. Every uh, college, every athlete coming out of Las Vegas high school is going to college is a mark with a C. With a C? Yeah. Except Bishop for Gorman's the one random seven marks. Well, that one's actually from a that, straight up Mark Andre. I mean, from that first year, would you be surprised if there were people who named their kids Mark with a C? Dan Degenerate's shaking his head no. Would that be the most popular from that team? Uh, yeah, consider- it's, but it's just a bad name. Mark with a C is just a bad name. William? I was, that's what I was going to say. William. Billy? Maybe might, might be a better just name. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to name so our kids Mark with a C. There's a bunch of two year olds that they're calling Bill. That's fine. Bring it back. Bring back <laughs> hey, Bill. Billy. It's perfectly fine. All right. Coming up next, Ed is gone. Jason Fitz. Yeah. I'm going to stay show. a little while longer. Oh, you're going to stay and talk to Jason? Longer. I'm going to stay right. a little Ed's while Ed's not longer. leaving yet. He plays the fiddle and is friends with Sarah Spain. And you are not. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. 
Hello, Jason. Hello, gentlemen. How we doing? What's up? We're good. All right. I was just told you're excited. You're prepared to talk about Barry Odom to UNLV. Prepared like in a good way because you think this is a great hire? Well, I mean, let's not go that far. Oh, sorry. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, I, I do think there's a lot of good to, to Odom. Uh, we all know that at Arkansas he did a really good job coaching a bunch of guys that were very good on the defensive side of the ball. Arkansas has been a sound defensive team the last couple of years. He was fired at Missouri. I got to remind people that Missouri may have forgotten who they were in that process of firing him. The one thing I'd say about Barry Odom, though, that is most significant is at Missouri, he had Josh Heupel as his offensive coordinator. We all know Josh Heupel's turned out to be an incredible offensive mind in Tennessee. So the, the most significant portion of the hiring of Odom is who is going to be his offensive coordinator. Because my guy can recruit on the defensive side of the ball. He can coach on the defensive side of the ball. He can raise, like, he teaches incredibly well on the defensive side of the ball. But I have not talked to a single expert that thinks he has a lot of efficiency, let's say, that proficiency on the offensive side. So I'm curious, when they went into that interview, who was on his offensive coordinator call list? Because that in, in modern Pac-12, I don't know that you could just go in and say, well, we're going to play defense. And that's going to win a bunch of games. And I think they're trying to get to the Pac-12 at some point. I mean, I lost my train of thought here because you were talking about the offensive so much. I want to ask you something that um, we talked about before uh, you came on that Tyler and I really don't think is a big deal, depending on who he hires and his staff. There just seems to be no West Coast ties. Do you think that's – when you hear that, that's almost a cliche with these jobs. Well, he has no ties to this part of the country. He has no ties to that part of the country. And Tyler and I are both saying we don't really care about that because, like you said, he could go hire assistants that have great ties to the West Coast and it'll be fine. Yeah, I think everybody that worries about West Coast ties needs to realize that in a transfer portal world, none of that matters anymore, right? Like, if you look at what, what the new line for success for a program is, is I'm going to come in – and I'm going to get a, I'm going to sell a bunch of kids that aren't getting opportunity elsewhere to come here from the transfer portal to make me immediately successful. I think in a lot of ways, when Mel Tucker left Colorado to take the Michigan State job, he showed that's the way things are going to be done for the future. And you can do that every time you do that. It's a little like one and done in college basketball, though you roll the dice. So you know, for the same hey. way that Lincoln Riley goes to USC, and bam, all of a sudden he hits the transfer portal, tries to win a national championship, didn't go right for him, but. In today's world, as long as he's connected into the transfer portal and there's some NIL collective work happening behind the scenes, that's a real question. Like, if I was yeah. sitting in Vegas today, my question to the world is, what's your collective, what's your NIL opportunity? Because I, I read this in an interview. I asked the follow-up directly to Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin told me directly that the first question he is asked by every recruit he sits down with is, what's the collective opportunity? That's new college football. Got a buddy that was part of the process of trying to get – uh, Manning to go, you know, and we all know he committed to Texas. He was part of the process at a different school. When they walked in to make the offer for Manning, they were told that the starter starting spot for Manning to be the quarterback was $14 million a year raised by the collective. And that was, he told me that, that, that Manning was going to Texas a year before it happened because it was $14 bucks. So think about that. Now think about UNLV. They want to be competitive in football. It's going to take an NIL. It's going to take collective. It's going to take big money coming in and saying, let's make sports relevant at a college level in Vegas. And until that happens, whoever comes in is just going to be trying to make the best of the transfer portal to get what they can get. I don't know if their entire budget is $14 million. Yeah, we're screwed. I think we have four, yeah. $14 <laughs> is maybe where it maxes out there for UNLV's NIL situation. Yeah, I listen, a lot of people uh, think the UNLV, the Rangers they, that UNLV could deals. be a great deal or a great job. 
into the future or whatever. But the whole NIL thing, I don't think UNLV's got a shot. Like they just don't have that type have of money. Some to... for basketball, but not a ton. Right. It's not. We're, I don't think we're ever talking about UNLV having millions of dollars to spend no. on players. Like even though a lot of people outside think UNLV could take off, I don't think that's realistic here. So I got blasted a little bit when they when they fired Arroyo, and I tweeted about it like I didn't really understand it. I got blasted a little on Twitter. So I was at the site of game day last weekend for the for the Big 12 championship game, and I sat down. I asked every single person there that I thought would have, all the way from Pete Thamel, the insider, all the way to the host, everybody that knows college football, I asked, how appealing is the UNLV job? That was my very specific question. And the answer I got was, it's better than some people think, but it's not as good as they think. And I think that's a really important answer for the fans to hear. Like, it's better in the sense that they do have nice facilities and they do have a nice stadium. They do have a couple of things going for them. But it is not on par at this point with the types of jobs that people thought suddenly, you know, the fact that they hired a coach that took a pay cut from being the defensive coordinator in Arkansas, according to multiple reports, to take the UNLV job, that, that tells you that they're not paying as much to that job as, you know, the Dion's are going to make it Colorado. Like, Dion takes Colorado job for reportedly 4.5. Odom takes this job for, I saw a couple reports yesterday, for about 1.75. That tells you right there that you're playing in a much different level of who you're even going after if you don't have the economics. It takes, it takes tens of millions of dollars to really commit to football sustainably year in and year out. I don't know if UNLV's willing to do that. Were you a part of the um, Dr. Pepper halftime uh, toss for tuition? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me tell you, since we always go off the rails, I'm going to tell you this story, right? So I'm, I'm hosting the, 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 big, the Big 12 Dr. Pepper tuition giveaway. So the day before is when they do the, the preliminary round, which turned out to be very controversial for the SEC, not for ours. But in the preliminary round, three kids came in. Only two kids survived to go to the next day. The girl that was throwing on ours missed one throw the whole time. Her boyfriend had built a mock can with a smaller diameter. He came in like a ringer. Right, so I talked to the guy afterwards because I got to get a little sense of him. I'm like, "Where do you go to school?" And he says, "Duke." And I say, "Why Duke?" And he's like, "My dad's a legacy, and I knew I could get in." And I'm like, "This kid, I don't know." So I go up to the girl. I'm like, "Where do you go?" And she's like, "Well, I'm enrolled in community college for the the, the spring. I hope I can afford it. I really want to go to aviation school so I can make a better life for me and my two year old autistic daughter. We're really trying to to change our our family and all this stuff." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then she went out. And she crushed the preliminary round. So we even the guy came up to me afterwards and was like, never going to beat her. She doesn't miss. Then we get into the contest. She folded. She, she kept throwing it short. Oh, she wasn't she hitting the can at all. <laughs> all of a sudden, Duke boy wins the $100,000 in free tuition. Now, she still gets 20000 which will be plenty to get her through some of what she wanted to get through. But, man, I was rooting. I was actively rooting for the person that, that was the runner-up. So the was it the SEC that had the tie and they – they had to go to a tiebreaker that nobody knew what it was. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, it's beautifully explained the day before, like everybody competing knows that they tell you, they tell me and when I was hosting, they were like, don't go into the tiebreaking procedure. It doesn't matter. But if there's a tie, then there's a 15 second throw off. And if there's another tie, then it goes to who had the better preliminary round. And it's, I guess it's always been that way, but, and they did, they, they explained it in great detail to everybody the day before, which is why before the preliminary round, you actually get to take some warm-up shots. I think it's 10 warm-up shots before the timer starts, and you don't shoot against anybody. It's just you in the can and the refs. And they sit there and they, they, they count it all. There's no stress. It's an empty stadium. Like, it's a really good environment for the kids to have that chance. So had it been a, a tie, 
and the girl would have won because she was one short of the record all time <laughs> in the rehearsal round. Uh, uh, I do know. Also, a common question is about the officials. I learned this because, you know, who I'm asking all these questions. Uh, all of the officials that work this are Power Five officials that <laughs> officiate full time. That's what they do. So they come in early and they're given all the rules. And, like, they were, we had a, a, a 30 minute before the contestants even got there, we had a 30 minute with just the officials figuring out exactly where to stand and what to look for, and what their eyes are supposed to be going to, and who's looking at what. And I'm like, my God. And I thought it was just a bunch of Dr. Pepper employees that got to wear official shirts. Turns out they're all P5 officials. Jimmy from Bottling. Jimmy, put on this shirt. Come on. Jimmy would love that, though. Jimmy would you know, love it. Like, you know, I, thought, I thought that the most recognizable thing I ever would do would be the hot dog eating contest, as sad as that is in my life. And I'm telling you, like, when I finished the, the Dr. Pepper thing, I was like, I guess nobody saw it because I didn't have any tweets or text about it. I was like, maybe they didn't run it. Maybe I screwed something up. Turns out the stadium just was like it was a log jam and Wi-Fi or something. All of a sudden, my phone just starts blowing up. I'm getting, I'm getting texts from people I haven't seen in 20 years. They're like, oh, my God, you were on the top. I'm like, yes, I do work for ESPN. So there we go. I got, I'm going to do it every year if they invite me just because it reminds <laughs> my, my friends that told me I couldn't do this, and I'm out there. You know. Uh, I believe if you're a referee, you should want to get the Dr. Pepper assignment over the actual game. Oh, 100%. Okay. Like, that's the, yeah, 100%. And by the way, these kids, not only do they get the, the opportunity to compete for this, they're flown out with a plus one for the weekend. They get a suite at the game for them and their plus one. They get free food. There's like a dinner the night before, like a party. Uh, they, they even give like the third place an unexpected uh, award the night before for some scholarship money. Like, they, they, Dr. Pepper did it right. Like, I, I walked away from that saying, man, like, they actually really, and, you know, it's funny because they ended up with the tie at the SEC. They gave both kids $100,000. And the number of people that are like, oh, well, of course, it's Dr. Pepper. They can afford it. Well, think about it. Like, the winner gets 100000 The runner-up gets 20000 uh, Third place ends up walking with less than twenty, but still a sizable check. And they do that at all of the Power 5 championship games. Plus, they get airfare. Plus, they get suites. Plus, they get dinners. Plus, they get events. Plus, they fly people like me out. Like, the overall expense for Dr. Pepper on doing this is millions of dollars, and we still live in a social media world where they're like, ah, just give them all the money. You guys are cheap. It's, like, it's amazing. That's right. They are cheap, Jason. Get out of here. Just give them a million dollars in <laughs> tuition. It'll be fine. No big deal. All right, Jason, get out of here. <laughs> Thank you, You buddy. talked a lot about uh, the I'm Dr. I'm going to go Pepper drink some Dr. Pepper. No, Raider, no Raider questions today. That's okay. Before we let you go, are, <laughs> no they losing, are they losing to Baker Mayfield on Thursday? No, they're not losing it. Well, look, every time I'm confident <laughs> with you guys, it doesn't work. I don't have any confidence left. Uh, let me just say, like, like if, if they if they if they win on Thursday, I think there's going to be a bubbling over of a lot of people that are going to have uh, some apologies for what they said about this when this team was really doing poorly. But I think we might all want to wait. Like I've had I've eaten enough crow this year that I'll wait until the turkey's served to actually eat it. All right, Jason Thank Fitz you, buddy. from ESPN. Thanks, Jason. Yes. All right, so there's Jason Fitz, Dr. Pepper halftime throw-off host, and now we have tickets to give away to go see Social Distortion. At the House of Blues, two tickets for their show on December 15th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Social Distortion at the House of Blues, we'll take caller number five at 702-364-1100. Certainly that's an off-season kind of decision, but surely, yeah, we want all our guys back. And um, we made a big commitment to them this off-season, so that was obviously something that was really important to us. 
But like we've talked about in, in, in the past, I mean, this is something we'll sit down with him after the season, and it'll be something we do together and, and move forward that way. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Congratulations to Scott. Jared, I think you wrote that on the board wrong. I did. Scott's going to see social distortion. Uh, we will have Golden Knights and Flyers tickets to give away later in the show. Ed is gone. UNLV uh, is having a press conference at 10 o'clock to announce Barry Odom as the next football coach. So Ed's gone to go cover that. Uh, and Danny is in here. So it's Yay. me, Danny, Ooh. and Jared. We'll see how well this goes. I oh, have a at, at some point, Danny. We just got to take over a segment. I'm, I'm thinking around nine fifteen, and just like try to like box Tyler out. I have a I have a fun stat for you guys. This is from Tom Verducci. Aaron Judge is 282 pounds. You know it's going to be good when we're starting with Aaron Judge's weight. Oh yeah. Aaron Judge is 282 pounds. He is signed through his age 39 season. He will have a chance to become the second player ever to hit a home run at 270 pounds or more and at 37 years old or more. Yeah, it's got to be Prince, Prince Fielder. Fielder. It is Bartolo Colon. Oh! What? The guy who uh, was on uh, HGH and testosterone and had a secret family, but everybody loves because he was a fat guy. That's right. <laughs> How is it not Prince Fielder? Prince Fielder flamed out quick. I... Yeah, actually, he I think like he got a, injured. He had like a four or five year peak, and then okay. What about David was Ortiz? Was he not two seventy? I don't know. That, that I'm telling you, what Tom Verducci tweeted. I'm out, on it. That he may, maybe didn't hit one over thirty seven. When did he, he retire? Was, I think he retired at like thirty nine. All right, maybe he didn't hit any home he runs. Was probably like two sixty eight. No way. He had to be bigger than that, right? I, I think so. I thought he was David pushing Ortiz 300. was two hundred thirty pounds. That That's can't a lie. Be right. He might be two thirty now, but he wasn't when he played. David I'm Ortiz weighs two thirty. That's what it says. It says he should listed be stripped. Weight. He should be stripped of the nickname Hold Big on. Poppy. Okay, but Frank Thomas was listed at two seventy five. So how? When did Frank Thomas retire? Uh, Mid thirties. I don't think he played till he was forty. Guys don't play. That's why this contract is probably going to be bad. You Guys don't right, play yeah. that. But long. now he's back on HGH. So no, no, no. He's on the thing that the women are going to love. That I can't remember the name of. That is uh, the testosterone. That you, if you boost. listen to our commercials, oh, that we TRT? should <laughs> we should not mention. Um, but yeah, so Bartolo Colon is the apparently only player in baseball history at 37 or older and t- 270 pounds or more to hit a home run. Phenomenal stat. Love every second of that. Now. ESPN had a story on Andrew Luck yesterday, and it, by the way, it's a really good story, like looking into why Andrew Luck retired. There's obviously the injury side of thing, which we've seen from multiple guys in football guys retire early, or at least what we think is early, um, because the injuries can be so bad. Andrew Luck, like I think it was eight or nine months he went without throwing a football at one point because of his shoulder injuries. So there's a lot in there about the injuries. He and his wife went to Amsterdam with a trainer for like five months just trying to to be healthy again. Um, but there's also a lot about Andrew Luck and like his entire personality being tied to a quarterback, being a football player, and how he beat that, worked through that, how his uh, girlfriend was going to leave him because he was just a football player. And apparently he would go out to dinner and he would order for everybody. Yeah, that one's a weird one. Like he'd tell people, like, I'm... He'd be, tell the waiter what everybody was going to have. Like, you didn't get to pick what you wanted. He would order for there's, them. 
there's a weird like subset of YouTubers that call that like a power move, and I think what they're confusing it with is a dick move. <laughs> yes, I would I'm say on. if I'm out to dinner and Andrew Luck is going to pay for it. Oh yeah, dude, order whatever you want. I'm probably not going to say anything. I would still think it was weird, but I probably wouldn't say anything. Um, Plus, he doesn't pick my drinks. I'm good. There's a there's a few fun details from this story. Uh, he fishes a lot. One of the the writer who spent a few days with him, like he Andrew Luck, dropped his daughter off at school, went fishing, and didn't leave until it was time to pick his daughter up from school, and picked her up and went back. So he apparently does that a lot. He uh, cooks a lot. He makes his own coffee from coffee beans. Danny thinks that's a crime. I, I, you're adding an extra step. You don't need whole beans. <laughs> just get pre-ground beans. He's retired. He's got plenty of time for this extra step. Yeah. My dad does that. He's retired, too. He's got I mean, plenty of time for even this. Even if I was retired, I, I think that's just one step too many when it comes to coffee. He still lives outside of Indianapolis. Apparently, it was five minutes from the Colts facility. Um, this, I thought, was interesting. His wife still works. Yeah. Uh, as a TV producer, somebody's got to bring home money. No, he he made one hundred and fifty million dollars or something in his career. Yeah. They're good. I yeah, have so- to assume the Stanford education part of it was all right, guys. This is called a structured Roth IRA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was, I think, the most interesting detail of the entire story, and we needed more on this. Andrew Luck and his now wife met at Stanford. Luck got her number. By pretending to have lost his cell phone and asking her to call it. That's kind of creepy. Little bit. Hey, it's only creepy if it doesn't work. Like, if <laughs> it, it's true. like you married the girl. That's not true. It, it works. It can be creepy and work out. So, I mean, I, Coach Kruger slid into his wife's DMs. Where, oh, yeah, that's a fun detail, too. <laughs> like, 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 I have an important question, though. Was this somebody he just saw walking on campus and was like, oh, she's hot? And was like, I need to get her number. Or is this like he had a class with her and they they knew each other from class? I would go with that. And one. he was yeah. like afraid to just straight up say, Hey, what's your number? And he was like, Ah, I can't find my phone. Can you call it? I'm I'm I need more details on this. So I want more details on that. But the most interesting thing for me that I want more details on. He's an extreme skier. Oh, a little dangerous. I want to. I want more on this. I want a full <laughs> interview just on extreme skiing. 